0: Generation divas. I'm also. saying
1: little pouty divas. <laughs> well, I guess we'll uh pop in because we've been having a lot of pre-show combo. But I'm here for it. I like talking about families because there's so many commonalities. Yes, especially black families. Right. It's like you always know there's always that uncle that's just the bugaboo or the sibling. In my case, it's my nieces and nephews because most of them are grown. Mm-hmm. So they're always just asking for something.
0: Yeah, uh, everybody's got their hand out. I'm like, your hand should just be a cup, constantly begging.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. This is the Horror Host Support for Podcast, the podcast for the everyday horror addict. I am one of your hosts, Amanda, and I'm joined as always, always, <laughs> my girl, <laughs> hey, it Samara. Yes. Yes, I'm here. Uh, I'm here. Aside from me, family drama. How are you doing, Samara?
0: I'm good. Um, today is parade day, so St. Patrick's parade day in Detroit. It is snowing hardcore right now, but like it doesn't matter to me because I'm not celebrating parade day this year. Uh, I'm I'm low key. <laughs> I'm low key happy that it's snowing today, <laughs> which is because I can't stand it when we have these really big um. Like these big events, especially like the big outdoor events here, because everybody and their mother from not Detroit uh, all travel here, park all through the neighborhood, which I don't mind. Like you need to park somewhere. Right. And um, and then proceed to trash the main road here because they're drinking and partying um, on the main street and just leave it. And so I'm just like, I hope that because it snowed, a lot of people were deterred from coming (laughs) this year.
1: Right. Well, I gotta say, your your skin is looking flawless. You just the melanin is popping, you look gorgeous today.
0: Thank you. I showered today. No,
1: (laughs) I practiced hygiene today. I did it.
0: Like drank drinking water. I'm hydrated and highly favored.
1: Yes. (laughs) Boats busy, blessed, and highly favored. Yes. We love to see it. But um
0: Yeah, how are you? How's your week been? How's your weekend been?
1: Uh, Yeah, chill. Um, It was hella sunny and warm yesterday, and now it's overcast and probably a little cold here in Santa Cruz, which I'm upset about because I thought if I was going to have the same weather as yesterday, I could sit out on my patio and read and get a little, just get a little sun kissed and just, you know, lay and lounge on my patio, maybe have some iced tea. You know, be be like Blanche Devereaux on my Lanai kind of vibe. Yes. Um, Blanche. The world didn't see it for me today, apparently. So it's, it's overcast. And I guess it's a horror movie kind of day, which mm-hmm. is fitting for this podcast. Since Perfect. we're going to be talking about horror.
0: Oh, my God. So before we get into it, though, I just watched... Like on Tuesday at 11 a.m., middle of the day, my mom was like, I have a doctor's appointment. I'll come to your house. And so when my mom comes, I like, she basically forces me to feed her, right? So I had like meat soup. We were chilling, eating snacks and stuff. And she's like, guess what we should watch right now? And I was like, I need to watch my computer and working. But instead I played hooky a little bit. Uh, But she was like, let's watch the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom sounds (laughs) awesome. <laughs> um, I mentioned before she is awesome. I mentioned before um, that she is my numero uno like horror movie bestie, basically. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, sure, why not? I could use some Leatherface in my life. And so I watched it, and it was it was pretty awesome. It wasn't like it was just horror. It wasn't like social commentary on anything. Kind of was though, actually. I don't think it meant to do it. But uh, I'ma just say this. I thought that the New Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a really good film about unjust foreclosures and um, housing justice and gentrification. It's a really good film. I'm
1: gonna have to today might just be the day that I check it out then. It's on Netflix for those who are interested. Yes, Netflix plug. (laughs) Like sponsor us.
0: We're not sponsored, but sponsor us
1: right and there's more where that came from <laughs> well you know speaking of housing we're talking about texas chainsaw massacre the house just kind of plays a big ish role but today we are talking about i think probably one of the most enduring one of the most classic one of the funnest take it many different ways type of horror and that is the haunted house yes burp, 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 burp. Hey, where's, where's the hornet <laughs> that's a note to add sound effects right
0: yes <laughs> or, or we could just continue to make them with our mouths like that's fun too
1: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm here for it too so uh, when it comes to haunted houses is that is that a type of horror you like samara or is it like a eh, for you
0: haunted houses are my jam just ha- haunted dwellings are the jam for me. I used to love. I always love those. It's possession is number one, haunted houses number two. Mm-hmm. For sure. I what about
1: it. you? I mean, I feel like we're on the same wavelength. I love a good possession. I love a good haunted house, and I love it when they mix together. Oh yeah. When it's like a haunted possession hat trick. Um, agree. I I think it's partially because uh, it's about control, and as somebody who is probably very type A, uh, as a result of having anxiety and, um, slightly overbearing mother, if I will, <laughs> therapy corner, um, you know, watching a haunted house movie speaks to kind of how out of control you are in that situation, because mm-hmm. if your house is haunted, that's supposed to be your sanctuary, your safe space. But if the shit's haunted, there's nothing you could do. You're just not safe. And how do you combat that and reconcile it? And a lot of times, we see in a lot of these situations where and i this is to me a little tired but it's this thing of we've sunk all of our money into buying this house we have nowhere else to go now i want to see a haunted house situation where somebody's renting okay like i want to see a haunted apartment where you just pay the rent it's not your whole life savings tied up into this situation but you're still not in control in those in those moments no
0: those are good. And usually, when you're renting, your money is tied up. Like you probably can't afford to leave, because then you're just breaking the lease, and you still gotta pay. Right. Or like you know anything. Can you imagine someone being like being the how ha- their apartment being haunted? You need out, so you sublease it. I was
1: just thinking that that would be <laughs> a, that'd be an interesting. You know, that could be an interesting kind of anthology type horror, where you mm-hmm. know the first person discovers it's it's horror they try to to do it things that they solve it that they sublet it to somebody else thinking like oh i'm over it i cannot go on in this place sublet it to somebody else and then that other person experiences okay so (laughs) i don't have a notebook what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna type this out because this could be that it's it's a good
0: good idea somebody should do it somebody should definitely write that book or make that movie because that'd be hilarious but yeah, usually it's the money pit problem, right? So they have put all their money, they fixed it up, they're, they they moved their family in, so it's like, you know, kids are in the element now. And, the, and now they're like, yeah, happy family. Like, nothing happens for probably the first couple weeks, so it's just normal. Mm-hmm. So, like, the creaks and the sounds of the house, and then all of a sudden, shit goes down. And so you're just like, but we have no... It's the Amityville effect.
1: <laughs> the
0: right. No horror effect, like, the dad being like, we can't go nowhere. Like, All our money is here, this is it. And the mm-hmm. house is nice, right? It's done, we ain't going nowhere, haunted or not. I think I would stand my ground, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'd be mm-hmm. like, boy, well, it's either me or you, buddy, and I, you had your chance at this house. I'm about to exercise you.
1: <laughs> I I think that, I, I don't think that I would go somewhere. I think I would try to fight for my home. At least I would try. But if it got to where I felt like, okay. I'm about to die. You know, like if I wake up and there's just a knife hovering over my head. Right. Yeah. Okay. You win. Mm -hmm. I tried. You're worthy adversary. Let me just pack up my stuff. Just give me space while I pack my stuff. Yes. Then you could you could keep doing what you're doing. I'm gonna just take the L and leave. Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If if my life is in danger, I'll 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 reconsider. (laughs) the fighting I'll be like you know what because like you can't hurt a ghost they're dead it's done they've already been hurt right Um, but speaking of haunted houses again let's get into the first one on our list which is um, House of Leaves it's pretty popular mm-hmm. by Mark Z. Danieluski. so this one is interesting because it's not your typical like haunted house story it's have you read
1: it by the way yet or no I haven't it's okay. on my list
0: okay cool so yeah it's not it's not a typical haunted house story there's a story it's a story within a story right so you're following this um man who finds this like manuscript and it's called house of leaves so he starts reading it um and it turns out to be a story about a uh family who moves into this house the husband he's not not they're not even married i think they're just like long-term like partners but they have like a kid together Um, So they move into this house. It's a perfectly normal house. The man is a filmmaker. um, And, you know, they're kind of like living normal. It's a totally cute suburban house. Nothing wrong. Except one day a door appears in their living room randomly. um, And he's like, what the hell? And so they open the door and it's just pitch black. Like, it's really dark. You know, They, they go in and they realize that, the 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 entrance like going in you think it is just a closet but it stretches on for way too long for it to be a part of the house it's kind of like a portal mm. <laughs> you shaking your head I know mm-hmm. and they're just and so like you know the the dad being you know the man being a filmmaker of course he's gonna take his film like his his uh, camera in there to see what's going on. And then uh, he actually hires some dudes to come in there with him to explore the space. So they go in and the hall goes for like feet, feet, miles. There's stairs that go up, up, up. There's stairs that go down. Like it's impossible that this place could be there. Um, And then, of course, there's something sinister lurking in the dark.
1: Mm. Isn't this also one where there's stuff written in the margins and whatnot? Yeah. Because I thought about reading, uh, doing the audiobook, but every time I've brought up audiobook, everybody's like, "You actually have to read the book because there's stuff written in the margins." And the way it's written, it really lends itself to mm-hmm. paperback.
0: Yeah, that's so that's so true. Um, I think what they call this book will be like mixed media. So like right. half of the experience is actually reading it. Um, because yeah, there are some things written, like they're, Like I said, there's a story within the story, right? And so part, some parts of the story is in the margins, but then like the main page is a different story. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are certain pages that you have to hold up to a mirror to actually read it because it's backwards. Like the letters are backwards or you gotta mm-hmm. flip the book upside down. Um, yeah, and it's like, it like adds to the anxiety. <laughs> It really does. I remember being so freaked out reading this book. Um, But yeah, he did a really good job. It's, it's not like, it's not a book like any other. And then there, uh, people have different ideas of how you should read it. There's like, you can, you can do it like my way, which is where I read it, but I also read what was in the margins as I went, but there's some people who just read the story in the margins only, and then went back to the beginning and read the main, like the story in the main part of the book hmm. I know it's pretty interesting the way that he did it it's a whole mess but then there's there's pictures in it too which is kind of creepy like so yeah good stuff for as far as blackulas go I will give it five just for the experience hmm. Blackulus.
1: five blackulas okay yeah,
0: I highly recommend it like once you're in it you're in it like you become obsessed with the story
1: I dig it. Um, So our next one we'll talk about, and I'll talk about this one, is White Smoke by Tiffany D. Jackson. Now, if you've read this book, you might be saying, this isn't Haunted House. This is a slight spoiler for what happens in the end. We always give spoilers. So I think at this point, if you've you've listened to us this far, you should know. But I'm going to give a spoiler warning because this is a slightly newer book. So this book follows A teen named Marigold, she moves with her family, her mother, her brother, her stepfather and stepsister who are white and Marigold, her mom and brother are black. They move to this smaller town, middle America. And that's because her mom gets this kind of grant as an artist. I think she's a writer. So it's kind of this grow where you're planted grant where they take an artist move them into this area that is being rebuilt gentrified and um give them the space opportunity and funds to be able to write the next great american novel or paint the next wonderful picasso kind of painting whatever what have you and so they're at this house they're originally from california Marigold is having a really hard time adjusting for a number of reasons. Firstly, because she is somebody who is, I guess, recovering from one might say an addiction, but really it's, you know, she struggles with anxiety around bed bugs because as a kid, she had this very traumatic experience with bed bugs and has consistently spent her life being anxious and was smoking weed to combat that anxiety. And I think also in therapy and um ended up ODing on weed because it had been laced with fentanyl so really it was the fentanyl issue there and i think she's also was doing percocet at some point right so she's dealing with that and her family not honestly not being as supportive as they should be given the fact that she's 16 and she's dealing with this this anxiety this trauma and this uh this recovery, I guess. And instead of them really treating the root of her anxiety and treating her like she's somebody, they're all very much treating her like you ain't shit. And like, she's seconds away from relapsing or whatever it is that they don't trust her. Treating her as though she's kind of gone down the path of somebody who was like stealing their money, selling their shit, putting their lives in danger for this Quote unquote addiction, when it was really kind of, I'll say the beginnings of it. Either way, she should have been more supported from her family. So she's dealing with that, but also things happening in this house. It's a very old house in a neighborhood that had been, I want to say, inhabited by Black people, totally or mostly Black families. And so therefore, the people in the area are looking at her family sideways because Oh, so you're a Black family, mostly, but you're over here gentrifying. You're you're doing that thing. And things are happening in the house where she's smelling mustiness in the halls. Things are getting moved around. Um, somebody put coffee grounds in the couch to make it look like bed bugs. So then she has this huge panic attack, which I felt that in my spirit because I like, having had panic attacks before, but reading that section was, oof, hard. Um, she's, she's in the middle of the night, wait, or waking up in the morning, and there's, like, a glass on the counter, like, that's been drunk with milk or some shit like that. There's a bunch of stuff happening in terms of this, quote-unquote, haunting, and, you know, she, somebody's typing messages on her computer or whatever, you know, her friend's, like, There's somebody standing behind you when she's uh, FaceTiming her or whatever. A bunch of stuff is happening in the house. And also we are finding out that, you know, the the company that offered her mom this grant is unscrupulous. Who would have thunk, right? And is run by this, you know, sleazy white dude who really is all about that gentrification life and whose kind of goal with this whole thing is to kind of start this us versus them. So that discord, us versus them kind of discord. Um, Should I just say the ending? Should I just say what happens?
0: Yeah, okay. go ahead,
1: yeah. So come to find out the house ultimately is not haunted. What is happening is the original inhabitants of the house, the mother and the son who had originally lived in this house have been living in this basement, which One thing I did not mention earlier is that they move into this house. There are still people working on the house and the yard and whatnot as they're living there. But all these people fuck off at five. They're like, they all have an alarm set off. They're like, oh, it's five. That means the sun's about to go down. Goodbye. They also have been told don't go in the basement because the basement's locked. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but I think Samara, you are on the same wavelength with this, which is, why the fuck would you move into a place where you can't access all of it? Yeah, exactly. It's not like, okay, hey, this basement's being renovated. The basement had been flooded. Um, You know, there was an earthquake. There was any kind of situation where there's damage or whatever, I would understand, but I would still want to see it to make sure like, okay, this is what we're working with. But... They just accept that this area is not an area they can go down. And a couple of times, Marigold finds that the door is unlocked or the door is hanging wide open. And she's dealing with all this and also dealing with her little shit of a stepsister who is constantly using and weaponizing these white tears and blaming Marigold and thus pitting her mother and her stepfather against each other because the stepfather is always taking the little girl Piper, of course her is Piper, little girl's side. And so we find out that the people that were living in the locked basement are the original inhabitants of the house who, when the son had been accused of harming neighborhood children or whatever, the neighbors came, formed a mob, and essentially burned tried to burn the house down or something like that or burn the house down next door and something like that and so they've been living in the house and so they have been kind of like that movie the boy they have been coming out in the middle of the night eating their food drinking directly from the milk carton Uh, that part Mm mm-hmm they've been the ones leaving the musty smell cuz they haven't showered they're not showered they're not you know they don't have access to that and so they've been it's been actual human beings and again that there's an overarching theme of the harm harm of gentrification the harm of falsely accusing somebody of something and just because maybe this person is has mental illness or is an, an addict or or homeless or something, the danger of that false accusation and also, you know, the the harm and what can happen when you have a blended family that don't need to be blended. I'm gonna just say that because mm-hmm. dad did not need to be a family.
0: I I I hated Piper.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I hated her and her daddy. Like I, I they were irritating. They were the most irritating thing about the book to me and and how did y'all just not know somebody was living in your house like you didn't feel that Mm -hmm. and why was there like this the boy the son um mary gold's brother has a peanut allergy why is there peanuts in the house like peanut butter is not a staple
1: you can get almond butter butter
0: Right. With, with people who are allergic, like if you have someone in the family who is allergic to something, chances are you don't have it in the house. So how okay. and like how do he get it?
1: Right. My sister is allergic to coconut. So we never had coconut oil, nothing with coconut, nothing coconut scented. I can't even, when she comes to visit, if I have like a hair um, shampoo or something that has coconut in it, I, I have to kind of hide it so that she doesn't accidentally use it because that's happened before and she broke out in the hives and had like trouble breathing just by using like a conditioner that had mm-hmm. um, coconut oil right so yeah you absolutely wouldn't have that in your house and you know there is a scene where he ends up having peanut butter mm-hmm. and i think obviously the whole point of this is you know the people that were living in the house thought that this was their house and wanted to get rid of them right which is why you know, they, they're doing these things to push them out. It's not like it's for funsies. They believe it's their house.
0: And then, of course, Marigold gets blamed, right? Like, anything right. that goes wrong, they blame Marigold. And she's just like, I know he can't have peanuts. Like, what do you mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gets blamed for that. She gets blamed for things breaking. She gets blamed for a lot of things because of her past of, of drug use, drug abuse, let's say, because she's not yet an adult. But again, I just feel like they should have been far more supportive. And obviously, this is a choice by the author to ratchet up the tension and to make it, I'm assuming, make it feel like Marigold really is alone. And so then she's experiencing these things alone, and she can't really confide in her family except for her brother, who was a, a bit of a cinnamon roll, I will say. Yeah. Her brother was, Her brother was sweet and nice and kind of, I am assuming what one would want in a younger sibling. I'm the youngest, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> at,
0: at the same time too, Marigold was doing stupid stuff to get her right. face. Like just real stupid, out in the open, easy to get caught stuff. Yeah. And I'm just looking like, first of all, who is really addicted to weed? Like, like, are people actually addicted or are they addicted to the habit?
1: Yeah, I can't I can't call it. I <laughs> I have smoked uh actively in the past i don't know but i just i do think that the way that it was written where she was constantly oh i want some reefer i want i want a doobie, i want cannabis it just felt even even the the verbiage that was used didn't really feel authentic to somebody who does smoke yeah. so i will say that that was one thing that kind of threw me off was it did feel like maybe the author isn't a smoker uh, which is obviously fine, but it just felt like the research needed to be done there to really um, figure out mm-hmm. the the addictive nature of weed if, if people do get that way, if people are really feeding in that way, mm-hmm. in the same way they would with alcohol or even coffee, you know? Yeah. Oh, I just, oh, I'm so grumpy. I haven't had my coffee, da-da-da, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Yeah, because it was given, like, Marigold was given, like, whole crackhead vibes about the week mm-hmm. i was just like i don't know but maybe she was just addicted to the calm that it gave her and so if she was like const. maybe she was just addicted to that feeling right yeah i mean
1: that. yeah i mean it it can help with your anxiety so if you if you were constantly anxious it, you know it's like oh i need my medicine i need to do that thing that will help me not be anxious mm-hmm. so from that standpoint i get it I just feel like she's a teenager it's 2022 nobody's being like i need reefer true very true you know
0: (laughs) yeah the the words you're right the words weren't quite (laughs) on the money there and i something i did like about the book though was that this the setting was clearly a pseudo detroit um the lingo the lingo, the fact that they were eating coney dogs. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. And then the gentrification aspect, right? Like, Mm big time. Lots of of Detroit parallels.
1: Right. So I will say the ending left a lot to be desired for me. I was, and I, I think that's because I was invested in the story and wanting to know more. Because by the end, it was very much setting up this, Kind of, um, I don't want to say riot because I hate the connotation of that word. But this very like neighborhood fight kind of thing that was about to happen because they were looking for this man who they had discovered had been living in the house, and this the neighborhood people are trying to find him, and you know basically destroying their own neighborhood, which is what this this company wanted to to happen to be like, look at these people. They can't be trusted. We have to be the good stewards of this place and really come in. This is why it's not gentrification. We're restoring things.
0: Right. Yeah. They were using like the mob was essentially the neighborhood mob was trying to smoke out, you know, the 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 criminal, if you will. Right. Someone that they deemed to be a criminal. Um, and it was work. Yeah, like you said, it was working in the favor of the big company,
1: mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. So I will say the ending was not it for me. And there is no, from what we've been told, what Tiffany has said, there's not a planned sequel. So I that was disappointing because I thought that it was a good ending if there was going to be a sequel because it ended on a cliffhanger, so that I would be kind of very anxiously awaiting the second book. So in terms of blackulas, I'm gonna give it a 3.5 blackula for me. Uh, It's not something I would read again, and I fully am aware that it's YA. So it's not that I'm, I'm not judging it based on, oh, this is standard by me, an adult. I think it's perfectly serviceable and good and creepy for young adults reading this for the audience. And even I had moments of being creeped out. There were definitely genuine moments of kind of interesting types of scares mm-hmm. that we maybe haven't seen before. And all of the, if you are somebody who is traumatized by bedbugs, you will not, this will not, this is not this will trigger you.
0: <laughs> this is not a book for you, do not pick it up. I'm not gonna lie.
1: Right, so, so that I think was really great how, she made even people who probably aren't even checking for bed bugs be a little like, ooh girl, mm. Mm. just anxious. So she did that well, but I'm gonna say 3.5. What about you?
0: I'm, you're better than I am, I'm giving it a three.
1: Ooh, okay. Yeah.
0: I just put, I was like, you know, it was okay. I did not like the ending. Um, it was just, I don't know, it just felt incomplete. Like you said, like there should have been a sequel But since now I know, since you just told me, there isn't going to be one. (laughs) Now I'm like, oh yeah, it's definitely a three. Um, Especially because Piper and and her dad did not need to be there. I just don't think they needed to be there. I feel like it would have been better if it was like a black family actively gentrifying an all black neighborhood. Like it just would have... Yeah, yeah. Because contrary to belief, black people can gentrify areas it's a thing mm-hmm. it happens yeah
1: yeah we see that in the new candyman movie right where yeah. where um they they move into this huge gorgeous ass apartment that had been yeah he's one of the
0: projects completely yeah. green
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah that was pretty interesting i like that take on candyman um right but yeah it um it just i think it would have been better i think it would have hit a little bit Different if it had been just the mom and her two kids, especially because like the the support it would have made more sense if she couldn't support her as much because she'd have been working and not there. Mm-hmm. It just like I feel like it would have made so much more sense. But um, right. the white dad and the the white step stepdaughter just they were they were kind of useless. I don't know why they were there,
1: honestly. right? And it made me side eye the mom a bit. Um, not not because he's white, but just because, well, partially that, but because there was such a level of I don't give a fuckness about Marigold on his part. Yes. That it made me frustrated with the mom because while she did fuck back and be like, this is my shit, we're here because of me and these are my kids and you're not going to talk to them that way and you're not going to talk to me that way. It certainly felt like how did he feel empowered enough to be able to even test out talking to her in this this. way. Right. You know, and getting to this point to where he's very much like, there's a demonstrable moment where Piper does something that is shitty. And instead of, you know, and Marigold accuses her and yeah, they have like that typical sibling fight where they're chasing each other around and kind of a little Mm -hmm. moment. But instead of him actively taking Marigold's side because he knows his daughter did wrong, he's like, Well, people don't like to have, you know, you shouldn't be talking mess about somebody or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. And it's like, Bro,
0: discipline your child. You know what she did. She, I think she might have like destroyed something of Marigold's, is right. what it was. I can't remember exactly what she did, but it, it would cost money to replace it. Um, And she shouldn't have been in Marigold's room in the first place. And so, Mm -hmm. understandable and understandably, Marigold was pissed. I would have been too. I'd have been yelling my ass off like, bro, you just broke my shit. Like, what are you doing? Why were you in the room? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't, I never, I did side eye the mother. Also, like, did they not have that talk before they got married? Did they get married quickly? Like, why did she marry him? Because it did not feel like they were in love. (laughs)
1: And yes, it didn't feel like they had much in common. And, you know, as somebody who, like, my family is blended. My mom had my brother. My dad had four kids on his own, which is wild. And then I was the child that they both had together. So Mm -hmm. we have a blended family. But we don't ever think of each other as that's my stepbrother, my stepsister, my stepdad. Mm -hmm. It just very much became this is my mom, this is my dad, this is my sibling, da-da-da-da. We're pretty close-knit in that way, but I imagine when when they first got together, which was years, a couple of years before I was born, that they did have those talks of boundaries, of how we discipline these kids, and be on the same page, mm-hmm. of not showing favoritism, just because that's your bio, co- you know, kid versus not, um, and then also really emphasizing, you know, my dad was like, my brother i'm not trying to replace your father your father's still alive you still have a relationship with him i just want to be your second dad you don't have to call me dad you can call me pops you can call me whatever you want but i also want you to know you're in my house and so if you do something like i'm going to discipline you right but it got to where like you know as a sidebar my uh my dad and his dad would conspire to where like my brother wanted to play football and my mom said hell no and so they the two dads put their heads together and like, no, you should play football. Yeah. Yeah. Let him play football. And we're really kind of trying to root for my brother and really talk to my mom into letting him play. So it can work, obviously blended families and stuff can work, but this is not an example of one that worked. (laughs) Right. (laughs)
0: Definitely. So three Blackulas from me, 3.5 Blackulas from you overall. Okay. Book.
1: Right. But you know what's not an okay book? You know what I would say is an excellent book? What? Haunting of Hill House by Miss Shirley Jackson.
0: First of all, excellent book. Excellent 90s movie. Right. Excellent 2000 and what? 2020? Did it come out in uh, 2020?
1: 2018,
0: I think. 20 Was it 2018?
1: Yeah. This is definitely before the Panini. This okay. Channel. So
0: 2018 Netflix original show
1: vibes are immaculate here yes so do we want to kind of tell at some point somebody most people have probably seen at least one iteration or read the book of Mm -hmm. this story but do we want to kind of go into a little bit about because the netflix show does change up i think kind of the core of what Mm -hmm. what happens in the book but um so okay so like the novel
0: by shirley jackson and the 1990s film starring Liam Neeson are a lot more similar, Mm -hmm. right? So like they kind of do follow the novel a little bit more closely, but you know, Hill House is this um, creepy ass mansion, humongous, Um, people are like, it's haunted, we don't go there, Uh, people will not go, will not come any nearer than town. Basically like town is it, and then there's that house. We not going over there is basically what it is. Um, and so in the book, you know, the professor, I can't remember his name. He gathers a group of people who um, are a little bit more sensitive to the supernatural. Um, I know in the in the movie, the 90s movie, it was because they all like had sleep issues Is he chose them. Right. I think in the novel, it was similar. They all have like some sort of, Issue either sleeping or they're just like open to the supernatural. Um, and we are following Nell in both um, the movie and the book. And okay. uh, so we are getting we get to the house, creepy shit happens. Um, if you know, you know, and if you don't, well, sorry, to, <laughs> sorry to disappoint you, but you need okay. to go hate read the book and watch the movie. Um, the movie, of course, the 90s movie is a lot more sensational mm-hmm. than the actual fit uh book. I actually found the book to be a little bit not boring, but it was kind of like a slice of life. Like this is what it's like to live in a haunted house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the end. You know, I think the ending was the biggest like shocker. Like what happens with right. now? Like was she crazy or did she really see something? You know, right.
1: And let's also not forget um, that this. I just remembered and looked it up that this is also adapted in 1963 into a black and white film.
0: Was it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I hadn't seen that one, but the nineties film, like I said, was a lot more sensational. You know, uh, there were ghosts playing people's hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, The house wanted her to the point that it would move and lock doors and try to reach out to her and touch her um and then we have like you know katherine zeta jones and her prime right uh, playing,
1: being a hot girl you
0: know, being a hot girl hot girl shit real hot girl shit um <laughs> and then i think was it um owen wilson right uh being his usual obnoxious self, goofy self.
1: Right.
0: right in the film um who else was it yeah and then i can never remember the woman who played Nell in the film, but she's also famous in her own right, but she played in uh, a so, Bond film.
1: Yeah, so her name is Lily Taylor. She oh. has been also in The Conjuring. She was the mom in The Conjuring movie. She was in Say Anything as one of John Cusack's best friends. Yeah. She's been in a lot of 80s movies. She was in um, Maze Runner, one mm. of the Maze Runner movies. She's been in a lot of horror stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so she plays Nell, and the thing with Nell is Nell is a very, like, I'm just going to say sad sack kind of character. She's somebody who spent her life taking care of her mom. Her mom was sick, and then her mom recently dies just before the book slash films. Uh, and she kind of doesn't know what to do with her life. She has all her mom's stuff. Her mom used to be, I think her mom was sick to the point to where she was very mean to her. hmm and now didn't really get to do anything. So therefore she's very awkward around people. And um, she's, I think, sensitive because she's, she has that awkwardness. She has this kind of introverted, cautious kind of, not introvert, because not all introverts are like this, but she has this very cautious, meek kind of vibe about her. Yeah. Um,
0: and, oh, to top it off, like, the fact that the mom, she was one to take care of the mom, and the mom was mean, and turns out the mom left her with nothing, like, left the sister right. everything, and the sister and her husband are like, so, we're getting rid of this house, you gotta find somewhere to live. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Right. Really Which is just a swift kick in the ass, because, mm-hmm. you know, could you imagine being the one day in and day out, taking care of your parent, only for them to leave you with nothing. And the one who was not around to leave them with everything, just right. Uh, audacity. Right. So that's the the movie and then the film, or the book and the films, sorry, movie and the films, what? That's yeah. the book and the films. <laughs> um, and then the the Mike Flanagan vehicle in 2018 follows instead of a scientific researcher and instead of them not being related, this follows a family that lived in Hill House. Mm -hmm. The parents, Hugh and Olivia, played by Henry Thomas of E.T. fame and Carla Gugino. You know her. You've seen her. She's been in a lot of stuff. Um, They're the parents and they're house flippers. This is early 90s. They move into this house with the intention of restoring it and then selling it to then be able to take that money to build their ideal home. Mm-hmm. And um, she's, I guess, kind of the architect of the situation. He's like the contractor of the situation. So she's the brains and the design and he's the muscle fuel. They have the five kids, I believe. Um, yeah, they have, yeah. They have five, there's Stevie, who's the oldest. There's Shirley, who um, is named after Shirley Jackson in this. There's Theodora who is named after the original character. There's Luke and Nell, who are twins, and obviously those two names were in the original book. And Nell, kind of similar to the Nell's character in the book, is more sensitive. She's the one who's seeing a lot more of this stuff and a lot more affected by the things that have happened. So we are split in time from these incidents that happen when they are children to them as adults and the fallout of what, has happened their mom dies very traumatically and their father you know in the middle of the night the same that their mother dies uh you know grabs them all from the house heals them from the house leaving all their belongings and I I honestly feel like it's a masterclass in in horror in family dynamics in grief and just so many different things because one of the things I like about it is that the first five episodes it follows a sibling at a time and then i think there's an episode dedicated to their father but the first episode starts with stevie then shirley then theo kind of gets her own episode where we're seeing things that have happened from their perspective as kids and then what's happening as adults they're all affected in different ways luke is an addict Nell is perpetually she has sleep paralysis and she's perpetually sad theo is psychic and so when she touches things she gets a sense for them so she's always wearing gloves she's very closed off she's very she became a child psychologist but she's very like blunt straight to the point Shirley is a straight like a stone-cold bitch just gonna say (laughs) yes you know and Steve is a skeptic and he became an author but he also as skeptical as he is he also mined their childhood trauma to write a book that has been his only successful book (sighs)
0: Oh <sighs> yeah, I, you, you explained that wonderfully. And I thought it was so interesting how, you know, Steve was a skeptic. He always kind of viewed what happened in that house when they were kids as like, you know, a lot with like a lot more of a realistic spin whereas as the rest of his siblings were like, no, nah, something weird was happening in that house. Even the father agreed like, yeah, something weird. Happened, and then how something supernatural, right. and it turns out that he Steve was exposed to the supernatural as well. He just did not realize it.
1: Yeah he, he didn't didn't wanna, yeah, he didn't want to. Yeah, he didn't want to acknowledge that is what had happened. And also, the father was really kind of keeping the inciting incident mm-hmm. from most of the family. This inciting incident as to why he he pulled them all out of the house in the middle of the night, why. He left their mother there. They all blamed him for their mother's death and for kind of how that went down. Mm-hmm. So early on in the in the series, we find out that now also died in the house. And so we're also dealing with that. I personally loved the spookiness of it. One of the great tricks of this uh, show and why I keep rewatching it is because there are moments where, you know, it's not just a jump scary kind of ghost thing. We've, we've been, that's well-trod territory. One of the things that they do very well in the show is that they're ghosts, just kind of chilling in areas, just standing there, just watching them, just being. So when you rewatch it, you can re- and you know, look at other parts of the frame, you can see, oh shit, there's a ghost staring at them in the corner. I love that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what added to the creepiness was like, You're like, I don't know, this seems normal, like this whole scene, but then it's not because there are eyes watching the main characters Mm -hmm. that they don't realize. And I was just like...
1: And another reason why I love Tailhouse and go so hard for it is because as somebody with six... I'm one of six kids. I don't know Mm if I ever told you that, but I'm one of six kids. And just the, the way that these relationships... I don't know if the people who wrote this or if Mike Flanagan have so many siblings, but just the dynamics of the the having so many siblings like I just was like this is everything this is exactly right this is one moment you're mad at one of them the next moment you're fine and you're mad at somebody else and then the next moment you're all getting along you all have ideas and opinions it doesn't always feel like sometimes the youngest sibling can feel like the oldest sibling because of of what's happening in the moment it's just so nuanced and well done when it comes to the sibling relationships and the resentment but then joining together but then you band together maybe in a moment where you're all pissed at your parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's so good. So I give it I give it 5/5. Yeah.
0: Same. Same. I give it 5/5. Creepy factor was there, sibling dynamic there, like the whole storyline. I just liked the take of it.
1: I think our final one that I'm gonna bring up really quickly is His House. Um, It's a recent movie, it's by uh, creator Rumi Weeks, who I believe is a black creator. Um, Yes, Rumi Weeks, and it follows a couple, uh, Rial and Bol, who are Sudanese immigrants. Uh, They end up in England, they cross the English Channel, to get to England, basically fleeing strife in their country. And they are given a house and basically kind of told, like, you can't make waves, here's your house. You have to kind of be, you know, here. They're consistently met with racism from their uh, neighbors and people just looking at them like they're gross and, you know, you're an immigrant. And their caseworker, who's played by Matt Smith, of Doctor Who fame, says, you know, I hope you two are some of the quote, good ones. And even, they're even met from, with uh, racism and xenophobia from other black people in the country. There's a moment where Rial gets lost in this tenement area and tries to ask for directions from these three black kids. And she has a moment initially of relief, seeing, okay, they're black. It's not, they're not white, they're like me, but they, fully make fun of her accent and tell her to go back to Africa and all of this stuff. And so, you know, that's showing the, the layers of, of oppression and privilege there. But basically, the second they start moving in this house, weird things start happening. And they soon realize that it the, the house is haunted by what's called an uh, apath or a night witch. And, you know, they start to see the spirit of what we're told initially is their daughter, Nyagak. And Rial is in mourning. She's consistently just always sad about this. Bol is trying to assimilate. So he buys clothes like, you know, Englishmen. He he wants them to sit at a table instead of sitting on the floor to eat. He wants them to use uh, forks and knives while they eat instead of using their hands. He wants to make English food. So he's really trying to assimilate so that they can survive in this country. And Rial is like, that's cool and all, but I don't want to forget where I come from. So the APATH, after each of them having these really wild and trippy and scary experiences, offers Bull a trade of, okay, you know, you have to make up for the life that you took. And so I'm going to, like, your life for Nyagax. Bull says no, but we then find a flashback of what happened which is that their village was attacked by another other people. A lot of people were killed. Rial and Bol make it out, but they can't board this bus because they're told only families can get on this bus. Only women and children, only people with families. They don't have a daughter. They steal Nyagak and say, oh, this is our daughter because she's Someone, a, a little girl who's standing by herself, she's looking for her mom, her mom's nowhere to be found. They take her and pretend that that's their daughter. Really, Bowl is the one to kind of passing this off and say, okay, this is our daughter. We see as their bus is running away or driving away, the mom is chasing after the bus because that's her daughter, she's been kidnapped. Bowl and Rial end up on a boat the boat capsizes, basically, and they're all swimming, and the IGAC dies. She drowns. And so she's one of the spirits that's been haunting them. It, the Apeth has been haunting him, but be, them, but using, you know, her spirit as, like, a one of its forms. So Rial is, you know, she accepts, like, basically saying, we have to make this right. We did this. We have to make this right. And then Vol's like, okay i'm gonna try to repay this debt to the apath and he starts to try to unalive himself if you will and let the apath into him and like possess him and instead of exchanging her husband's life for Gagak, she decides to 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 save bull and gets rid of the apath and um you know, they make peace with all of these spirits now being in their house, all of the spirits of the other immigrants that were on the boat, Yagak as well. The other context is that they, because things are happening with the house, Bull has been doing all of this, like, construction, if you will, trying to find these spirits. So he's, like, destroying the walls in the house. And so they're consistently having to get inspections from their caseworker, who's coming in and almost kicks them out. Because, you know they they've destroyed this house or whatever, and he they they persuade him not to, and you know that's what happens. But it's it's a really creepy film. It's very heartbreaking when you find out the context of the haunting and what happened to Nyagak and how morally gray these characters are. Because at first you're rooting for them, but then when you find out what they did, it's like, well, how can I be rooting for these people when they literally? kidnapped a girl and then couldn't save her
0: right just so they could get about and that's yeah people when they're met with desperate situations do horrible things sometimes Mm -hmm. i need to go ahead and find that movie and watch it there's a quite there's a list i have now now it's his house and i just found out that scream five is available for streaming so i'm gonna be watching that that. (laughs) yeah i think it's on amazon i gotta look and see
1: Oh, but I do you know. today.
0: Yeah, I'm ready. I need I have chips. I have hummus. like I might just be that chick today
1: <laughs> Yeah, I think' it's a movie day for me too. For sure. but yeah, I definitely think I recommend his house. It's very heartbreaking. How many black? Oh, I I give it five blacks. okay good. because the horror factor is really up there. I loved it. There are definitely genuine moments that like chilled me. But it's also, like I said, so heartbreaking. I had to take a cry break. <laughs> uh, and it's it's a movie that stays with you because the message is so. There's there's a lot of levels to what this movie is saying, and I think that it says it very well. It doesn't. It's not a movie that feels disrespectful to the immigrant experience. It's not a movie that feels like it was written to to paint necessarily anybody in a bad light. Well obviously it points out the racism mm-hmm, definitely. and it points out just how much people that people can be rude to immigrants even if they have the same skin color yeah um but it's really good it's very well acted i really love moon me masako so I highly recommend it
0: okay yeah i want to re- i want to watch it i'll say i want to read it i wish it was a book too because i like it but yeah i'm gonna watch it for sure um so should we wrap it up we talked about a lot of hauntings today i hope i can sleep oh i'm pretty sure i'll be able to sleep okay but
1: yeah girl you still watching a horror movie don't
0: (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) when you talk about something for so much so much and then it happens i'm like i hope that's not my case but i feel like if i was going to be haunted it would have happened already (laughs) so probably works for me all right well yeah let's wrap it up once again, mm-hmm. thank you all so much for tuning in to the Horror Host Support Group podcast. As always, um, Amanda, you can find Amanda everywhere. Uh, Amanda, the author with two mm-hmm. E's, if I'm saying that right. You can find yes. me on Instagram, Samara Reads 2. Uh, you can find my book box, which is a, a book box that features indie black authors and comic creators on fifthhousecollective.com, buy my stuff i need money yeah <laughs> <Love> <laughs> amanda's stuff she needs money
1: <laughs> yeah yes yes you can find yeah if you pop on instagram or tiktok amanda the author 2 ease you can find the link in my bio to get uh my books to follow this podcast to follow my youtube channel and all that
0: yeah so without further ado see you guys or talk to you guys next week
1: Goodbye.